didn't see it coming. The podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Now, you can't really get away from Donald Trump these days. I checked the New York Times this morning, and no fewer than four of the eight editorials were about Donald Trump. The man is a phenomenon. Now, I am not professing to be a political pundit. I don't want to be painted as one, but I am fascinated as a communicator and as a brand specialist. And I wanted to bring aboard my old friend, John Marshall Roberts, to talk about Donald Trump again today, because John, a few years ago, put out an incredible book called Igniting Inspiration. And in Igniting Inspiration, he describes a very particular character called the opportunist. The opportunist is someone who has painted himself or herself as an absolutist, the sort of God-fearing, uh, football-loving, small-town, black-and-white hat, our tribe, not any other tribe type person. However, he's gotten crafty. And John is going to describe that person because I believe that Donald Trump is that person. Not only that, but John is just bringing out a new book called The Voice Code that digs much deeper into this character. And in speaking with John, I, I believe that we have a lot of material that can help define Donald Trump and make his character clear to everyone. John, small job at hand. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Mark. It's always fun. Now let's jump right in because there's a lot of meat on this bone here. Donald Trump as opportunist. Tell me what is an opportunist versus an absolutist and how does Donald Trump fit into that mold? Okay, cool. Yeah, and I'll try not to explain the watch. I'll just try to give you the time and make it quick. But, of course, this is all rooted in some pretty deep research into what we call worldviews, which are different ways of seeing the world, uh, you know, different habits of thinking that really frame how the world shows up for us. And in the American electorate, there are four primary worldviews. And the one that I uh, believe Donald Trump represents is actually called, I call him the Achiever. Right, the achiever mindset, um, and they are opportunistic. Now, this is a worldview which looks at life like a game that's, you know, that you either win or lose, and it's, it's founded on the core values of success, affluence, and power, right? And traditionally, um, this mindset of the achiever is opportunistic, strategic, and really um, is what we would call, in political terms, usually the, the uh, fiscal conservative, Right, the um, you know the bit, or just the generic sort of businessman archetype, you know the even the old sort of Donald Draper businessman archetype, you know someone right. who's uh, you know, the traditional marketer, frankly, right, right? looking uh, for opportunities to exploit different uh, uh, targets in order to achieve a personal goal. The mantra of the achiever is, uh, you know, express myself to get what I want, uh, but do it in a way where I don't get in trouble, right. um, and and. This particular mindset evolves out of what we call the believer mindset. The believer looks at life like it's a test that you either pass or fail, very black and white, all or nothing kind of mindset, right? And their sort of mantra, this would be like the, uh, a lot of the disaffected Republican base, you know, really uh, sort of uh, people who are feeling very alienated in today's multicultural world. Um, you know, the, the believer mindset looks at life like, uh, basically, sacrifice myself now for a future reward, right? And what you have going on with Donald Trump, as I see it, you know, I've been studying him up here for this call, just trying to look through this worldview thinking lens to understand him. And really, he's a brilliant match, uh, if you will, for that 
that for the uh, political right in our country right now. Um, he, he, I believe, emotionally has a lot of those beliefs. I believe he has a visceral kind of believer emotionality with a brilliant strategic achiever um, uh, opportunistic mind. And he blends those in such a way that he's basically unstoppable, you know, it, uh, when he's having conversations in that party, because just the same way that he would demolish and build buildings, he, he knows how to demolish and, and build up new uh, belief frames now, uh, to control conversation on the right. That's, that's a brilliant point, because the right now, they're pouring unprecedented amount of money into stop Donald Trump campaigns. But I think that's just going to be like adding fuel to the fire. And uh, you you look at him and it, it's not about making better policy or, or, or making better points. They're, they're missing the point of Donald Trump, I believe. And you just pointed that out. He can demolish a foreign policy framework put up by a credible candidate and erect something out of nothing and have people believe it. Absolutely, because he's, he's a brilliant uh, salesman, and he speaks with conviction. And if you watch his debates, it's really fa- he's really fascinating. He really knows how to own the frame. He's a great salesman. And what he does is he just completely violates the rules of the conversation, and, he'll, and he knows his opponent's weakness. So he does his, his research, and he damages – you know, he impugns their, their – uh, you know, he hits them right where it hurts. And then he builds this new frame, and he owns it so authentically because his gift is also – it's really the gift of all great um, – and I'm not trying to insult him. I actually like Donald Trump, but it's the gift of all great con men, which is to really believe your own – what you're saying. Just infuse what you say with absolute belief regardless of the facts, and in that moment, you create a new reality. So there's not this whole cumbersome conversation of trying to balance what he says with the facts. It's more of let me create what I want now. Right. And then I'll figure it out later and I'll be so far ahead of them that they won't catch up with me. That's part of the thing I think that's throwing everybody on their back foot is that um, in, in Heartland America, the folks that are disenfranchised, the folks who have been suffering from 20 years of outsourcing labor um, and technology taking their jobs. Uh, these are people who are saying that he speaks truth to power and that he uh, everybody else is lying. But. Uh, they keep saying that, and he is the one that they're catching in lies again and again and again. And he's like Teflon. There is no holding him back. They can't damage him. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating um, how he works and how this whole conversation uh, is playing into the larger conversation of where our country's going and how people's thinking is being challenged and changing. In some ways, I really see Donald Trump as sort of the canary in the coal mine for the old American dream. You know, mm-hmm. uh, times have changed. Obviously, we got an African-American president with a much different sort of planetary uh, citizen mindset, uh, definitely different than any it would come before him. You know, and in terms of the worldview uh, system, if you see it, basically what we did with the voice code is we completed some uh, research that happened through a guy named Claire W. Graves who found that there were eight, you know, levels of thinking that people moved through. What we found is that there are a total of 12, right? We found this sort of the logic for that. And when you see all 12 stages and you look at them through this lens and you look at politics, you look at change that's going on in our world through this lens, you get that there's basically two phases. Um, the first six stages end with the achiever mindset of Donald Trump. The next uh, six stages, which I call phase two, sort of begin with the liberal base, what I call the explorer mindset, which looks at the world like a family, right, which right. values empathy, relatedness, and caring. 
right? And then the progressive uh, uh, liberal uh, go, is what I call the systems, uh, the systems thinker, right, the pathfinder. And they're more like the Steve Jobs energy of sort of innovation and solutions-oriented pragmatism, right? And what's interesting to see is, like, Donald Trump is really standing for that old world that and people in that world feel left behind, a lot of them. You know, they mm-hmm. feel like, you know, they say, take, take America back. Right, like they're really change resistant, mm-hmm. and that's cake built into the cake of their worldview. Now he's saying, "Let's go back, basically, to where we were. We can do it again. Let's make America great again." And it really appeals to people who would rather bury their head in the sand than face the discomfort of getting with what I call phase two of the human journey. This is a hard shift. So, um, you know, if I seem hierarchical or, or, or you know, like uh, I'm lacking compassion to people in phase one, I really don't want to. I think that, um, but I, you know, I think that the, the simple truth is that those worldviews were really effective in the, you know, in the 20th century. Right. And with the rise of digital media, they're just, they're just not working as well anymore. And change can be very uncomfortable. So I think Donald Trump is sort of a phenomenon that will ultimately flame out. Um, because that worldview flames out. You know, the idea of just only looking at my own self-interest, of disregarding, uh, you know, minorities and, and other, you know, people, of that sort of in-group, out-group thinking right. doesn't work in a digital society, but it has a very strong emotional appeal to people who feel left out, you know, as part of this evol- larger evolutionary shift. Now, and so he can really, I think, get about 40% of the vote, right. you know, with that kind of mindset at this point in time. That brings me to the next question. He, if he gets 40% of the vote, what is the anti-opportunist perspective that could damage Donald Trump in a real way? Now, I've, I've talked to a number of people who have said, um, if you want to get under Donald Trump's skin, if you want to um, make people snap out of the sort of the reality distortion field that he's creating... Uh, you have to do what they did in Italy when they went after Silvio Berlusconi, the the media giant who who basically ran Italy into the ground with very much a similar worldview. And what they did was uh, a steady campaign of just calling out his lies again and again and again and again. What what disturbed me about that was that this is a guy who got back into power a number of times. So they they voted him out. They threw him out. And then they brought him back in. So I don't really know if there is anything that you can say to a person like this, as say a democratic, uh, a Democrat, to go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a chink in your armor. I'm gonna put a hole in your armor, and it's gonna, it's gonna take you down. Is there anything that uh, is the, I don't know, not to use too harsh a word, but is the antidote to the Donald Trump um, phenomenon? Uh, there really is. I think that, you know, he's not easy to bring down because you have to really be, um, you have to, it's kind of like this. I mean, you can't fight darkness with more darkness, meaning that he brings a lot of stuff in the tactical and not all that loving. You know, he'll, he'll bring in some pretty mm-hmm. <laughs> unloving uh, sort of comments to sort of tear people down, which is, an old, which is an old school, you know, tactic. But you can't be unloving back to him, right? Because then you, you, you in a sense, you know, end up playing his game. Mm-hmm. So the only way to dispel darkness is to turn on a light. Right, mm-hmm. and there's never a battle between the dark room and the light. You know what I mean? The light just, just the, the darkness just disappears. With Donald Trump, the light that I think would sort of reveal 
some of his less, uh, you know, um, again, I sound like a Donald Trump hater. I find him fascinating. But, but the, the sort of tactic that I would advise somebody to use to help expose parts of him, which maybe, you know, would be of a concern to people who would vote for him and help them maybe make a choice, uh, you know, with, with, without just buying into his game, right, mm-hmm. would, be, would be to own the frame. First of all, you have to own the frame. You can't react and this is true, you know, in any of these companies, you can't react to his information. If you react to him, he, he, he owns the frame. See, the brilliant thing is he knows how to own the frame. The whole strategy is you want to own the frame to change the game. You have to own the frame of reference. The frame that he can't beat is the moral, the humanistic frame, mm-hmm. right? Uh, his worldview ultimately, see, Donald Trump as a human being um, is operating from an achiever mindset. And when you're thinking that way, you have a lot of gifts, but you're repressing Two universal human needs, um, the need for connection, human connection, and the need for uh, positive progress, inclusive progress, right? So like this whole idea, you know, if you think of the liberal base, uh, taking care of other people, right? Us caring for one another, uh, community, us being together, you know, uh, as a whole, this idea of connectedness. Sure, it can sound sappy, but listen, this is a very very powerful human need, and he basically has targeted everything but that. That's his big blind spot. So anybody who could uh, basically own the frame around having poise and not reacting, mm-hmm. and then really own a genuine, heart-centered, humanistic frame of reference, and then not react when he attacks them, right? right. Would He would basically be like judo when somebody throws a punch. He would, it, he would fall under the weight of his own thing, and he'd start to look at just kind of like a goofball in that context. Now, in the Republican sort of side of things, they love his red meat. You know, the base loves that red meat, and he knows how to get attention. But in a larger national conversation, you know, the truth is we look at the the worldview thinking data, and we estimate that this is the fastest-growing worldview is what I call the explorer that looks at life like a family. It's got about 26% of the U.S. public. The copper worldview that he represents, we're looking at about the same, maybe 25%. You know, the believer worldview, which is where the emotional flames, the red meat kind of plays, that's down, going down. About 20% is what we have it as now. So it's like he's playing to a, a worldview that's shrinking and losing its power, and he can't relate to that humanistic worldview, which is the one that's growing right now. So anybody who could really own the humanistic frame of reference without being wishy-washy would, would bring him down, but he would bring himself down, you see. Mm-hmm. He, they'd basically be using his own force against him by not, uh, by not make, legitimizing him by responding to him, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. John, I want to thank you. We have to get this out in the air so everybody can hear it. <laughs> Oh, cool. Um, great. Well, I, I really enjoy the opportunity. You know, I talk about business more, and I really enjoy the opportunity to look at the deeper worldview codes that are operating here. And, you know, I want to be very direct about what's going on. I do really believe that, um, you know, some of these worldviews, th- their time has, has come and gone. Mm-hmm. I think that he represents that. But I, at no point do I want to uh, suggest that people who think that way are any less or any more. No. To me, this is all just a fascinating no, but I just, process. You know, I've been, I've been going through the Trump papers for weeks and months now and you know i believe there's a lot of folks out there who are just scratching their heads and going i don't like them but what can we do about it and i think you just gave us a great answer um in in you know the last couple of minutes there where you're talking about the judo moves and how you embrace your humanism to basically just take the wind out of his sails completely give him no resistance on the things that he's pushing so john thank you again for for bringing for bringing sense to our world 
Of course. Thanks for giving me a chance to, uh, to call us up now, and make them practical for you. The voice code. Hot upcoming new topic. Folks want to hear more about John Marshall Roberts. What do they do? I say go to worldviewthinking.com and hop on the mailing list there. You know, I've got a new fun thing I'm doing every Monday. We're sending out what I call the Monday Mindgasm, Mm -hmm. which is an inspiring thing to get you going and, you know, with some big ideas every Monday. And the book's coming out, uh, our new release date, is around the end of April. And I'm just so excited because we've we've, we've, finally figured out how to make this stuff fun. You know, advanced human Mm -hmm. insight like this can be very practical. It's just that, you know, most of the people who get into this stuff, professors, they make it all boring. So I'm doing my best to make it fun for everybody. So just hop over to worldrethinking.com and put your email on that and, uh, and, uh, and sign up. And the book uh, will be available as soon as I can get it out the door. John, thank you again. Have a great day. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. If you want to get a hold of me, drop me an email at mark, M-A-R-C, at markstoiber.com. M-A-R-C-S-T-O-I. B-E-R